you can start, you know, diversifying your crop rotation, getting some animals out there. It really helps yeah. the next generation have a spot to start. Pasture is still going to be the best thing for cows as far as daily profit. But, you know, the, you know, you need so much pasture for the cows, and then you can fill in the gaps with the cover crops. Definitely, if you got cows, it's a no-brainer to do cover crops. Welcome to the 320th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, community food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. One early morning in late September, I visited the Allen Bedka Farm in southeastern Minnesota and saw the economic and environmental benefits of integrating livestock into a cropping operation. Allen took me on a hike to check out a stand of sorghum sedan grass it planted in June, in the midst of a major drought in the region. Sorghum sedan grass thrives in dry, hot weather, and this 20-acre field was no exception. Part of the field had been grazed a week or so before my visit, and the sorghum sedan grass, along with the cowpeas, millet, sunflower, and buckwheat that had been seeded with it, was green and thriving. At one point, we stopped at a spot where his cow-calf herd had not been allowed to graze. The sorghum sedan grass was over seven feet tall at this location, and Alan planned on saving this portion of the field for winter grazing. He hasn't added fertilizer to this field in two years, and the ground was covered with earthworm middens. In several spots, toadstools had emerged, a sign of healthy fungal activity. But what the 35-year-old farmer was most happy about was how integrating cover crops into his cash crop system is helping him make money with his cow-calf herd. He and his dad raised field corn, soybeans, and sweet corn. Alan also grazes his cattle on permanent grass-based pasture. But during the past four years, he's been growing a diverse mix of cover crops on the row crop land, which has allowed him to greatly expand how much access to grazing his herd has. In fact, thanks to portable fencing, he's pretty much at his goal of grazing every acre annually. That's money in the bank. Especially in a drought year, hay is expensive. And Alan feels he's building his soil's natural ability to generate its own biological health, which saves on the fertilizer bill. And by growing a tall cover crop like sorghum sedan grass, Alan is also able to extend not only how many acres he grazes, but how long those acres are actually providing forage for his herd. Those rangy stalks poke up through deep snowdrifts, allowing the cattle to graze in the field well into the winter. Alan concedes that 2023 was a tough year to build soil health profitably given that his area of southeastern Minnesota was at one point the epicenter of the worst of the drought that struck Minnesota. But what helped get him through the season was his enrollment in a unique soil health program coordinated by the local Soil and Water Conservation District. The Olmsted County Soil Health Initiative, which had its inaugural year in 2023, pays farmers to plant cover crops, which is not unique. After all, there are numerous local, state, and federal programs available that help farmers make cover cropping part of their operations. But what is unique about the Olmsted County Initiative is that it pays a farmer $55 an acre to grow that cover crop to a minimum height of 12 inches. And if the farmer lets it get to 24 inches, they receive an additional $20 per acre. Planting a cash crop into a living stand of cover crop, a technique called planting green, garners a farmer an additional $10 an acre. Farmers can also receive payments for growing so-called alternative crops like small grains and for converting row-cropped areas to haying and grazing land. 
The point of all these payments is to provide incentives for crop farmers in the area to utilize the kind of soil health practices that will reduce the amount of nutrients that are leaching into the groundwater. For example, the taller the cover crop, the greater its root system, which helps keep wayward fertility in the soil. In this part of southeastern Minnesota, nitrate pollution of drinking water caused by intense row cropping is a particularly thorny problem. And research shows that allowing cover crops to grow to significant heights can dramatically reduce pollution. In addition, integrating livestock onto the land, utilizing rotational grazing, and growing deep-rooted perennial forage also produces major water quality benefits. This year, Alan Benka participated in the portion of the program that paid him for growing his cover crop to 12 inches before he terminated it. He also signed up to raise cover crops for seed production, which qualified him for the alternative crop portion of the initiative. Finally, his use of rotational grazing and the growing of forages on former row cropped land qualified him for the haying and grazing portion of the initiative. The payments aren't going to make him rich, but he says they help make up for the extra management his use of regenerative farming practices requires. After talking to Alan and other farmers who have enrolled in the Olmsted County Soil Health Initiative, I'm struck at how this program could potentially serve as a model for giving farmers an incentive to implement all the basic soil health principles while diversifying the landscape in a way that's better for the environment and their own land's resiliency. Alan, for one, feels the methods he's being paid to implement are building the kind of soil that manages moisture better, for example. That will help when drought or even excessive rainfall hits the region again. After he checked out the sorghum sudan grass, Alan talked to me about how the program has helped him further integrate cover crops and livestock into his family's row cropping system profitably. The bottom line for him is that a day of grazing beats the heck out of a day of feeding hay. So Alan, you were just showing me some sorghum sedan grass that you had planted as part of this program that Olmston County Soil and Water Conservation District has set up where you can, there are a lot of cost share programs out there for cover crops and building soil health through SWCDs and other NRCS and local agencies. But this one's a, got a little bit of a twist in that you can sign up for different programs. One is alternative crops, one is haying and grazing, and one is just regular cover crops. But even the cover crop part of the program has a little bit of a twist in that you get a premium if you let it grow to 12 inches. You get another premium if it goes to 24 inches. And then you get premiums if you plant into it green. So can you talk a little bit about you have enrolled in this program? Talk a little bit about what programs you're enrolled in and kind of how how you're using it. Yeah, so I'm enrolled in the, the cover crop program, mostly um, planting rye. And then I use that a lot to calve out on and then before corn and beans. But yeah, then I do the other two programs which help a lot with uh, the grazing and then cover crop seeds. So I grow, I grow my own cover crop seed for the small grains. And then, uh, yeah, sorghum sedan really helps for, you know, that spring, summer grazing, let the pastures rest, and then that winter grazing when you can graze through snow a little bit better. So all these programs are actually pretty helpful for me because they kind of line up with what I'm doing anyway. You've been, you had been doing cover crops, you said, for around four years, but it sounds like the timing of this is pretty good now to be enrolled in this and that you're able to kind of really, you know, that learning curve is that first three or four years or so, but you kind of feel like you're hitting your stride a little bit with integrating, integrating grazing with the cover crops, that type of thing. Yeah, it uh, really helps because 
I mean, any day you can graze is better than feeding hay. So, I mean, it takes a few years, especially if you got farms in different locations, to kind of figure out the timing of all this stuff of when you can graze and what crop you really want to plant. And I mean, it, it takes a few years just to kind of learn the most efficient way to do this when you involve cattle. I mean, if you're going to do just no cattle, then you just, you know, you got your planting and spraying, and that's about it. But when you involve cattle, you really got to plan through this stuff more and, you know, try different things every year and stick with what works. You've seen some pretty good benefits. You, this one that we're looking at now, you just grazed it, I think you said a week ago, and you, you, you've, you're leaving some of it aside to graze maybe, you said maybe even into December the sorghum sedan grass. So you've got that. You've got your low-cost feed value. But also, it just really looks like it's really building up the soil health on that. It's along a creek here, and the, the creek's looking really good. It's, it's um, water looks clean, and it looks like the banks are kind of nice and soft and gradual, and, and you don't have that real erosive system there, and you said you don't have as much erosion problems there but you you haven't you haven't had to fertilize that field for a couple years now but you're starting to see that soil health being built up a little bit hey definitely see the water infiltrations better and you can see like when you don't use fertilizer i mean parts of the field are you know the crop looks a little greener and healthier and parts don't but you know right now with if you can get your cover crop to grow you know a certain amount Mm -hmm. it doesn't really pay for the fertilizer i don't think and, you know, it's just one more expense that you got to add to your daily cost of running cows. So, I mean, plus then, you know, if you don't fertilize, then, you know, the plants are going to have to work a little harder. And you don't got that, you know, two inches of fertilizer on top, so you get shallow roots. You know, you got the roots will go a little deeper. And you just basically got to follow the soil health principles. And <laughs> Well, and it's working out. You have sweet corn, so you have a you have a little bit more of a window than maybe other folks where you're not just straight corn and beans. You... The sweet corn, having that in the rotation, you can get cover crops on earlier. Yeah. That that gives you a little bit of or that. Can, you know, sweet corn's planted a little later too, so you can get yeah. that extra grazing in the spring on rye or, you know, triticale. And so yeah, that helps a lot. Sweet corn is anything that's not corn and beans seems to help a lot with getting cover crops established. Yeah, because Dad always did some oats after sweet corn. He just broadcast them with the spreader, and that always worked good. So. We started no-tilling, you know, cover crops when I started doing it, and got fences around all the fields again, which helps a lot. That's something, you know, if you can just graze, like, your sweet corn residue or your corn stock residue, you know, with sometimes you with the price of hay being so, you know, $300 a ton, I mean, you can pay for that two-wire high tensile fence just in that one year of grazing by not buying that hay. Right. <laughs> you know, if you figure out the value of what you would have had. Yeah. So just getting, you know, cows in the crop fields is huge just to get that cheap feed and then you can get the opportunity to graze cover crops and you don't really it doesn't really cost much to put in a two-wire high tensile fence nowadays i mean everything's expensive nowadays but i mean if you get your cows trained to one two wires that's all you need especially when you're in a field with a lot of area if you're in a tight little pasture it might be different yeah the portable fencing technology has really helped something like this yeah yeah i'll move my cows two or three times a day when i'm calving every time i go out and check to see you know calves i basically move them and then all the cows move that already had a calf or didn't have a calf, and the, you know the ones that just had one stay behind, so it's easy to find the calf, and you just can tag it or whatever you need to do. And so yeah, it makes life you just go move them, then you look for calves. Yeah. <laughs> and you know until the rye gets tall, I mean they're real easy to find, but you know once the rye gets over 12 inches, they can start hiding a little bit if they're 
born. But and the nice thing about it too, moving them daily like that when they're being born is you move them three times a day, they're gonna be trained to that electric fence in no time. And you actually actually see calves graze and rye at like three, four days old sometimes nibbling it. Well, you know, you're not gonna get that calf in right. April yeah. or March. You ain't gonna nothing to graze, so yeah. <laughs> it's just real healthy. And then the cows just balloon up on rye and triticale in the spring, so they put on a lot of weight fast. So yeah, everything's healthier. You said one of the things that's nice about having the cover crops and having that option of grazing those is that you have about, I think you said 280 acres of permanent pasture or something like that? Yeah, between what I rent around around there, yeah. Okay, so that helps you take pressure off that. You can kind of, especially in a year like this where we were so dry, that you're able to kind of rotate them around and take pressure off of that, it sounds like. Pasture is still going to be the best thing for cows as far as daily profit. But, you know, you you need so much pasture for the cows, and then you can fill in the gaps with the cover crops. You know, you can get that extra month of grazing before the pastures are ready, and then you can give, you know, the pastures a rest in August if you want to graze sorghum sedan. Then you got, you know, your winter grazing on that sorghum sedan where you can graze through deep snow. So, I mean, that's kind of what I leave the sorghum sedan is mostly for December, January grazing if I can make it that far. Yeah, the cover crops look really good for filling in gaps when the pastures need more rest or more time to grow so yeah i mean if you i don't know if a person really want to just do all cover crops for you know a cow heifer that wouldn't make much sense it'd be pretty expensive but you know grazing cover crops is definitely cheaper than feeding hay right right unless you really mess up and don't grow nothing and pay too much for seed and <laughs> you know you gotta look at everything but uh. Well, yeah, there's a lot of expenses that go into, you know, a summer annual crop, really. But it's, you know, if it, you graze it right, you don't overgraze it the first time. You know, you let it grow for winter, and it gets the cost down quite a bit. Plus, it's really helping that field out for the next year's crop with all that, you know, biology and diversity. So, I mean, if if it does cost you a little bit more to feed that cow and that sorghum sedan crop than you wanted... But you still, you're going to offset that with the benefits to next year's crop a little bit. You know, you'll have a little more nutrients in the soil for next year's crop too. So, I mean, I don't know if the cows should pay 100% for the cover crop or maybe the, the actual next year's crop should kind of off, help pay for that cover crop too. I don't know. That's the kind of counting side of it. You can look at it however you want. But I don't know if I really think the cows need to pay for all the no-tailing and the cover crop applying. And, you know, they'll pay for most of it. But yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll keep track of different fields and I can graze rye with my cows for 20 cents a day and then the next field will be like $2 a day cost just by how many days you got grazing out of it and how, you know, if you planted 30 pounds versus 80 pounds an acre. Like, for example, this year we just came, we're coming off a really extreme drought. We're still, we got some rains, but we're still going in fall pretty dry here. And I know a lot of farmers who planted cover crops we're maybe regretting a little bit letting it grow a little taller because they felt like it really competed for moisture and you said you saw that here as well but you're kind of doing a calculation of am i built maybe i am uh, competing for moisture there by letting it get to that 12 inch uh, point but because you're getting the premium you get you're getting that compensated for that but then also kind of looking into the future you're building that soil health and that maybe that is going to help build that aggregate structure so it can uh, manage moisture better and 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 really 
build for future crops kind of thing that you kind of have to do that long-term calculation a little bit yeah you definitely just need to keep an eye every year and watch how things go and if it doesn't work a couple years in a row then maybe stop doing something (laughs) but you know for the most part i mean every year is different you know and then with the cows it really is kind of helps because you know i'm getting income there so i don't you know if i do get some grazing it dries out and it hurts the yield mm-hmm. you know i still got some income from grazing but i mean yeah the long term i mean it's definitely what you got to be thinking about so you try not to get too tied up in this year being you know stunting the corn because you got no moisture but you know if it would have just got one or two rains after we terminated the rye it would have been a different story and nobody would have said anything probably right. <laughs> you know what i mean so a drought's a drought, I guess. How, so how many acres are you able to graze? you got your 280 of pasture, but are you able to graze that's cover cropped uh, in a typical year? I try to graze every acre. Every acre. I mean, some acres might just be corn stock residue. Right. Yeah, we got 550 tillables, so I mean, maybe there will be 450 yeah. at our cover crop. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get to the point where I have a cover crop in every field every year, and I'm close, so <laughs> sometimes, it, you know, with sweet corn and beans, it's easy, because you can, you can plant beans a little later if you want, or sweet corn's always going to be planted a little later, but then field corn, it's like, do I really want rye before field corn, especially if you're going to, we might do spring tillage, or we might not, so, right. you know, I'm very new with the no-till, especially in corn, so, yeah, I mean... And if you don't, if you got more cows, then maybe you'd want to do it, you know, because you get like a week or so out of it. Yeah. But if you, you know, got enough acres, you don't really need it for the cows. If you're going to do no-till, I'd just, I'd always have a cover crop of something or another. I mean, maybe 80 pounds of rye is not the best thing to plant before corn, you know, because it takes all the nitrogen ties it up. So there's better things to plant, depending on what you're going to plant next for a cash crop. So you got to try different cover crops and find ways to get early fall one seeded looking into the future if there's some things you want to try or you have some goals you want to attain or uh, that you're kind of as far as adapting some of these regenerative practices is there some other things you're looking at or some goals like long longer term goals that you have right now for me like the ultimate goal is to pretty much just get rid of fertilizer you know obviously it's a long it could be a long road (laughs) but just get down to not having to buy as much fertilizer and then trying to get you know maybe like a three-year rotation where it's you know corn beans and cattle the whole year Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a small grain and just like a summer annuals after the small grain for cows in the winter trying to get you know like a stocker program where you're grazing cover crops and stuff like that just you know Getting away from the just the corn and beans, just having like a, a nice three, four year rotation that's works out. Right. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like you can get that soil to be self perpetuating, yeah. where it doesn't have to be relying on these outside inputs. I mean, the you know the more corn and beans you plant, the more fertilizer you have to buy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. if you the more you diversify your crop rotation, you cut back on some of that. But yeah, yeah. yeah cows and that all year grazing that cover crop are really going to help with cutting back on fertilizer at least definitely that year because you're not gonna, i'm not gonna buy any that year <laughs> i'm not gonna buy fertilizer on my grazing year you were doing carpentry and you you're trying to get make farming more and more you know a major part of your income stream and all of that and you feel like the cattle have really helped with that uh, and the cow calf operation and everything but also is it is this kind of fun i mean it sounds like you look at a lot of youtube videos and 
and and go to workshops to learn about some of these regenerative practices is it is it kind of a, a funner way for you to farm yeah it is pretty fun you know the cow side of things you're kind of it's like a juggling act trying to move cows from farm to farm you know I have my neighbor do a lot of trucking for me so we move the whole herd and and you got you know you're trying to plan it out you know a day out a week out a year out <laughs> you know you're always kind of like changing plans constantly so yeah i mean it's fun and then unless you all of a sudden get to a spot where oh i ran out of things the graze not going to feed for a week because of the drought or whatever which yeah. i didn't have to this year but right so i mean then you gotta like go in well i should have sold some cows back here or you know this is a good time to buy some extra cows yeah. you know for that spring flush to have extra stockers around so you're trying to you know get the most out of your year and your grass and cover crops so yeah, it's fun. You're just trying to find different ways of doing things. Well, I got to say, if you got through this year where this, you guys were, if you looked at the drought monitor there for a while, yeah. this was the just heart us, of it. Just our county was D3 for... D3? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you got through this year, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good sign that maybe you were able to make this system work. Yeah, I mean, instead of like three times grazing in the growing season, I only just, I'm only on my second time going around. You know, I did sell 12 cow-calf pairs in uh june because we ended up getting a decent rain third of july uh -huh. so i ended up selling those just so i can slow down my rotation and that helped a lot i mean if i didn't do that i would be feeding hay yeah. <laughs> you know so that's what's nice about having like a grazing calendar and doing this year after year and trying to keep track of everything you do so you know if you're coming around the farm too fast you know you gotta not enough recovery time you're not getting rain you know you gotta sell something now yeah before everybody else ends up selling it because they are out of food too so yeah. <laughs> so you can get a little it's a good management strategy to have a grazing calendar so you can see things easily and just keep track of all that helps make your decisions for you because you can actually see it on a on the year to year and you can kind of be like well i it takes this many days usually to graze a sweet corn acre or a corn acre or mm -hmm. i get this many days grazing rye so you can it really helps you you know so you can uh figure your year out if you want to figure a year ahead and it sounds like you're kind of a numbers guy you're able to kind of pencil that out this yeah. is what i'm getting off of this grazing for this number of days this is what it was worth that kind of thing yeah you mean you kind of look at what you did last year and go off those numbers and just kind of guess for this year yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of guessing intuition i don't know yeah. but then you kind of you know you're going off of what happened last year so it's going to be too much different and if you're running more cows or less cows this year so you know, i don't really calculate it precisely i just kind of you know look at it and like all right we're gonna try this yeah. but then yeah you know, a couple times a year you just kind of go through it again and see where you're at and well every year you gain more information yeah. that you can rely <laughs> and say well this is the way it worked last year so you know yeah because yeah, it's like you know if you, you you can't just say you're going to graze three times in the growing season and once in the fall because like this year's a drought so i mean you can't just be in the mindset of doing it worked this way the first year I did. It worked this way the second, so it's yeah. not going to work that way every year. Yeah. yeah, and if you know somebody that wants to get into farming, and, you know, cows is a great way to get into farming because, yeah. you know, it's not expensive machinery, and it's, it takes a lot of money to do corn and beans. So, I mean, cows, I mean, they ain't cheap either, but it's a easy way to get into it compared to livestock is. So if you can start, you know, diversifying your crop rotation, getting some animals out there, it really helps. Yeah. The next generation have a spot to start. Definitely, if you got cows, it's a no-brainer to do cover crops.
For more information on building soil health profitably and the Obston County Soil Health Initiative, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode 320 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on whatever podcast platform you utilize. And word of mouth is the best way to spread the word on our podcast. If you like what you hear, tell at least one person about Ear to the Ground. Thanks to Laura Morgandale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.